All right. Come on, 8.30. You doing okay? You feeling all right? A couple of you are. <laughs> Man, I'm so excited to be with you. If it's your first time here at True Life, my name is Michael, and I'm the lead pastor here on behalf of our staff and uh, all of our team. We're so thrilled that you're spending the morning with us. Also want to say hello to anybody watching online this morning through our website, through our app, or through Facebook Live, or maybe you're watching the archive after the fact. Come on, would you help me welcome everyone who's a first-time guest and everybody watching online? We're so glad you're here. And I am really excited to dive into step two, or week two of the Running with the Giants series with you this morning. Pastor Joel did a great job opening up the series for us last week, and I uh, just want to say thank you to him if you were here last week. Come on, can we show a little love for Pastor Joel? And did a, did a great job, and um, excited to get into week two, and I just want to give you a little warning, a little disclaimer this morning uh, before I get into the content that... Um, uh, we're going to talk about Samson today, and uh, it's going to be a little, uh, it's going to be a little interesting, okay? So um, I've got to talk straight to you about some things this morning that we can learn from the life of Samson, so um, it, it won't all be fun. I just want to tell you that right up front. I tried to find a way to make it more fun and funny, and um, I just couldn't, so uh, just go ahead and stick your toes out there so somebody can step on them. And just get them, get them ready. All right, it's going to happen. Okay, so um, before we get into that, though, would you all like to see some, something cool, something amazing? Uh, you know, the reason I wasn't here last weekend is because I got to go hang out with uh, pastors Mark and Monica Poland as they launched the brand new Discover Church uh, on the west side of Philadelphia. And uh, that is the, the church that we partnered with most recently. We help plant churches all over the place, and, uh, and, and we do that frequently, but Y'all were extra involved in this one. In fact, uh, we, we gave them a touch screen just like this. Pastor Mark pre preached here for us one weekend. He was like, oh, I love that. And um, he was like, I need one of those. And we said, well, we'll get you one. And uh, so you guys invested about $1,500 into their church plant and made sure that they had one of these uh, setups on their very first Sunday. And, uh, and so I got to be there and celebrate with them. And I thought, since y'all were invested in that, and, and we get to invest in church plants um, all over the place through the Association of Related Churches. Uh, in fact, Pastor Mark and Monica's launch was church plant number 901 in the Association of Related Churches over the last 20 years. Come on, isn't that incredible? Uh, 901 brand new churches. And on their very first Sunday, they had, uh, at that, that launch number 901, 434 in total attendance. 47 people made decisions to follow Jesus in that very first service, and it was so fun to be there. They're meeting in the high school Kobe Bryant attended, uh, and, uh, and converting that high school into a church every weekend, and, and um, there's a big memorial to, to Kobe there uh, on site, and so, man, it was so much fun to be there, and um, just so proud of you guys and your generosity, and I hope you understand that you you played a part in every single one of those 47 people whose lives are forever changed. Their eternity has been forever changed. And uh, what a thrill. What an awesome thing for us to be able to do that. And it's really fun for me because I still remember days pastoring this church after we launched where I thought, are we going to make it? <laughs> are we going to be okay? And now here we are on the other side getting to help, getting to invest in others. And I think that's a pretty awesome thing, don't you? It's a pretty fun thing. In fact, we're we're kind of doing just a little bit better than just making it. And I don't say that to brag. I say it because God is up to some really good stuff. Uh, in fact, there are pastors all over America today who are really mad, really frustrated that they had to come to work and preach because Time Change Sunday is the most depressing Sunday in church, in the church world because uh, nobody comes. But you all came. Like I'm, like, I'm so fired up. Like, I have a job. It's awesome. All right. <laughs> so uh, that... We're growing right now. I don't know if y'all realize that. Our church is surging really in a way that it never has before. When we opened this facility, our church like doubled overnight. And then really our growth has been pretty uh, steady but slow um, since then until 2020. Uh, really, I should say since Christmas. You know, there was over 660 people um, in our services for, for Christmas. And then it's like... Uh, it's like the Holy Spirit just flipped a switch when we hit 2020, and I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, I don't even think, 
I don't think I'm doing that great of a job necessarily. I don't think it's, it's, God, it's, God, it's a God thing. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's a God thing. And we have had, we have had multiple Sundays uh, in this new year where our total attendance is up 55, 56, 59% over the same Sunday last year. Um, your giving has been astronomical. We've, we've already um, surpassed almost two-thirds of 2019's entire giving. Y'all doing the math on that? Like, so we're just trying to, stu- now we had some very, very large gifts that are the reason for that happening, but we're just trying to steward it well. We're trying to create more room for people who don't know Jesus yet. That's ultimately what we do. And so that is why, I know you already heard this in church news, but we're adding that new service option on March 29th. Uh, <clears throat> so we will have 8.30, this service will stay the same. 10 o'clock, that service will stay the same. But we are adding an 11.30 service option. And, um, and what, we've, what we've found is the more options you create for people, um, the better. The, you know, there might be some people who are working that, that late night shift on a Saturday, and they're just too sleepy to get to one of those, but they can make it to that one. Y'all know what I'm saying? Uh, and and we, so we just want to create more opportunities. Um, if you have kids, later service times can be attractive. Because how many know getting multiple children clothed, cleaned, hair in place, into your vehicle without anybody bleeding or dying? How many know that's a miracle all of it on its own, right? Like... Moses, part in the Red Sea, that's nothing. Try to get some kids to church. Try to get some kids to church. All right, so. Uh, and then Easter weekend, we add two more just to create as many opportunities as possible. Saturday at 4.30 and 6. Sunday at 8.30, and 11.30. That's three service options Easter weekend. And you're going to hear me say this every week. And I know it's going to get old, but I mean it. And some of y'all know it's true. Some of you need to be at all five. Either serving or you know someone who is far from God, or disconnected from spiritual community, disconnected from the local church, um, and, and they need to be your guest that you invite. Some of you have five different guests that you can invite, and it's going to work out that they would be at all five service times. I don't need you to come fill up space if you don't have somebody to bring with you. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I don't need you to pad the numbers. We don't need to stroke our ego. It's none of that. If you know somebody who's far from God, get them here for Easter. It is, a, it is one of the couple of opportunities we have a year where people will say yes to a, a church invite. Um, some of you have leverage because you're an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa or a parent. And, and um, normally I wouldn't tell you to use the guilt trip, but on Easter I'm telling you, use the guilt trip. All right? We'll, we'll pull the guilt and the shame off during the service that day. All right? We'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it during service. You just get them here. Can I hear an amen this morning? All right? It's going to be fun. Can't wait to do that. And then there's a, an event coming up that I normally wouldn't announce this on a Sunday, but I'm very excited about it, and we want to make sure everybody knows about it, who it applies to. And so this next one doesn't apply to everyone. Uh, it only applies to those of you who are actively serving on our dream team or who are in the process of attending Life Track right now so that you can get on our dream team. But we're, having, we're doing something new that we could call calling Team Night, and that's open to Dream Team and current Life Track attendees. And that is going to be on Wednesday, March 18th at 7 p.m., and um, I don't want to give it all away because there's going to be some stuff that I think you'll be surprised by when you attend this. But I'm asking our entire dream team to try to make an effort to be there. We will have child care for you. It's going to be fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to worship a little. I've got a little teaching that, I, that is dream team specific that I'm excited to share with you. And that night we will be unveiling the all new Dream Team Central, which is an environment we've created just for our Dream Teamers, the people who serve here week in and week out, to have a, a place where they can safely store their belongings, uh, get a little snack, hang out between services or before you serve. Uh, we don't want it to take away from serving, but it, it's just, we wanted to create an environment that, that would communicate to our Dream Team how important you are to us and how much you mean to us. And, um, and I, think we've, I think we've got it. I think you're gonna, um, my wife has just been working her fingers to the bone uh, on that, and, and all of our team has on that environment. And so uh, really excited to unveil that at team night. So Dream Team, we need you there. We want you there, seven o'clock on March 18th. All right, y'all ready to see what God has to say to us this morning? Yes, all right, and I'm sorry. I know it's a lot of announcements, but it's important stuff, and I wanted to bring a little extra emphasis to it on top of, of church news. So uh, we're in this series called Running with the Giants that is really built on this passage of scripture 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And um, anytime you see this word in your Bible, this, this is a joke, but it's like, it's real. Anytime you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what is that therefore? Yeah. Um, and you really should. And it, it almost always is talking about the scriptures that preceded this one. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, is referencing back to Hebrews chapter 11, which most people call the Hall of Fame of Faith. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11 just lists Bible character after Bible character after Bible character and talks about them as a hero of our faith. Someone who had faith in God and who saw great things happen in their life. Uh, Some of them, it's interesting that they're there. In fact, the one we're going to talk about today, it's kind of interesting that they are listed in that Hall of Fame of Faith. And so what this series is built around really came from a book written by Dr. John Maxwell years ago called Running with the Giants. And he, he wrote the book basically around this premise of if you could take these, these heroes of the faith, these giants of our, our story of the Bible, and get them to come spend just a couple minutes with us, if they had one life lesson, one, one sentence that they would say to us that we could learn from, what would it be? And, uh, and so what we're doing is, we're saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that cloud of witnesses are the ones who've gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I think the Bible makes a strong case that these heroes of our faith, and some of us have some heroes of the faith even in our own life, maybe a grandparent who prayed for you or... Uh, an aunt or an uncle, somebody who is influential in you finding Jesus, and they've gone on to be with Jesus. I actually think the Bible makes a case for us that they are still cheering us on, like like they're with Jesus somewhere, they're in heaven somewhere, and they're kind of they're watching, and they are they are pulling for you, and they're cheering for you, and they're they're hoping that that you can fulfill the call that God has on your life, and that you'll get everything out of this life that God has for you. And so what we're doing with this series is we're saying if we could pull one of these guys down out of the crowd of witness and say, hey, give us your one big lesson, what would it be? And today we're looking at a guy named Samson who actually gets referenced in that list of heroes of the faith, which I find interesting because uh, Samson didn't get very much right. I mean, his, his life really is a colossal failure when compared to what God wanted it to be. And I think if you could pull Samson down out of the crowd, you know, Samson's story was God, God had destined him for leadership. We find his story in the book of Judges. The Judges were people who would rise to leadership over the Israelite people, help them get free of bondage, help them straighten out the decisions that they were making, get them back on God's path, God's track. And Samson was meant to be one of those Judges, but he failed miserably. If you know the story, he, he fell in love with a woman who did not value what he valued. It was a Philistine woman, and her name was Delilah, not the radio host. Yeah. Not the same one. And uh, he falls in love with this woman that really he had no business being in a relationship with. She tricks him. He falls into the hands of the Philistines. They gouge out his eyes, and they turn him into a slave for the rest of his life. And I think if Samson would come down here on the stage today and say, hey, I've got one lesson that I think you need to learn for the rest of your life, I think he would say this. I think he would say, for when you think you're seeing, seeing clearly, on your own. And some of us are. Some of us think that we're seeing life clearly. Some of us think that we've got it figured out. Some of us think that we've got all the answers. Some of us think that, uh, that all the people in our life who are trying to wave warning signs at us and wave red flags at us, everyone who's trying to say, get us to say, hey, stop, stop what you're doing. You're, you're, about to, you're about to ruin your life. You're about to create a lot of pain for you and, and people who care about you. And we're saying, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. I can, I, I can see fine on my own. Stop, stop judging me. Everybody judging me. Why are you, why are you in my business? And um, here's the thing, man. Like the enemy is so crafty. And there are some situations, I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. There are some situations that I'm trying to pastor people through and lead people through right now that are very near and dear to my heart. And it's going to be difficult for me not to preach this message thinking about some of those situations. 
And there's some people who just, just why, why can't people be for me? Why can't people be for us and, and, and stop judging us? And here's the thing. Like the reason why people are trying to put a warning sign up in front of you, it's not because they're against you. It's because they are for you. And they see where you're headed and they see the pain that's in front of you and they see how you are going to destroy your life and miss out on what God has for you. They're not against you. In fact, the Apostle Paul actually uses the word judgment to describe the decisions he's making about the people he's leading in the New Testament. So should we be judgmental, arrogant people as Christ followers? No, absolutely not. But in a community of faith, when we're doing life together with other people who love Jesus, part of that means, there there are some people in my life who I've said, you have permission to pronounce judgment over me. If I'm making a mistake, if I'm doing something wrong, if I'm gonna hurt my family or myself or the church that I lead, Please make a judgment call. Step in and intervene. I will listen. I I have submitted and surrendered to your leadership and your influence in my life. God has placed you there to help me be wise and make good choices. Please, please don't withhold judgment from me. Are you all with me this morning? We, We need it. You need it. I need it in my life. So for when you think you're seeing clearly on your own, I think Samson would say, you don't have to lose your eyes, to be blind. You may think you're seeing everything just fine. And Samson, he lost his physical eyes. But I think if Samson could come down on this platform today, I think he would say, I was blinded long before they took my eyes out. You don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. And so I want to talk you through some things today that I, some areas of our life, some areas of my life that if I, flip back through the pages, if I flip back through the history of my life, at times, I've been blind. I thought I was seeing clearly on my own. I thought I had assessed the situation correctly on my own. I was ignoring some of the voices of wisdom in my life. I was ignoring some of the voices of people who loved me and cared for me. And and at times in my life, I have been blinded to God's plan for me. You can get so caught up in other things that you can forget that God actually, he has a perfect plan written out that he, he would like you to follow. There, there, there's just some times I've, I've, I thought I was seeing clearly on my own. I thought, no, no, I'm okay. I can, I can stop that whenever I want. I can stop looking at that. I can stop clicking that. I can stop. I can, anytime I want, I can get that out of my life. No, you can't. You're not seeing clearly. Anytime I want, I can change that habit. No, you can't. You're not seeing clearly. Everybody's just against me. Everybody's just judging me. No, everybody's just loving you. Oh, y'all don't want to amen me now. (laughs) Like, there have been some times I thought, why is everybody against me? And they're not. They're for me. I'm just being too hard-headed to listen. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Look at this. God had a plan for Samson. Judges 13, 5. This is Samson's mama. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. This is what's called the Nazarite vow in the Bible. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to who? To God from the womb. He will take the lead. Samson was supposed to be the leader of his people. God had destined him for this. This was God's plan. But Samson got blinded to God's plan, and he missed it. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. If we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that we're seeing everything correctly, and you're not. We can convince ourselves that I'm just going to have to do it alone. In fact, I, I, I'm actually prone to that because of the way I grew up. Uh, I was talking with one of my friends here on our team and somebody I spend time with regularly just doing some coaching and some mentoring and, and we have some similar family history, some similar stories and 
And we've just been talking about how, you know, there's a survival mentality that you develop sometimes based on how you grew up. And that can be good because you just figure out how to do it. You just figure out how to make it. But at some point, you have to mature beyond that. And at times in my life, that's been hard for me. It's been hard for me to mature beyond that, just that survival instinct. I have to be careful of it even with, like, our staff and our leadership here. Sometimes that survival instinct will kick in. And I'll go, you know what, I'll just fix it on my own. I'll just do it on my own. And people who I, I've said, hey, I trust you to lead this, or I'm paying you to do this, they go, well, I thought that was my job. Because you think, you think you're seeing things correctly, and you're not. Are you all tracking with me this morning? And you can get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. And it's very, very important. In fact, I hope this will begin to happen for some of you today. This is why Life Track exists in our church. To, to, to help you begin to peel away the layers and try to figure out what is it that God wants to do with my life. I, I say this all the time, and some of you don't believe me yet. Life track does not exist for me. It does not exist for this church. It's helpful. It's helpful to the church, but it's not just helpful to our church. It's helpful to the entire kingdom of heaven when you figure out what God wants to do with your life and you do it. But it's not for me. Like, things are going fine without you, but they'd be better with you. Because you need to know. You need to know what God has called you to do and what, what he wants you to do. You need to have a revelation of God's call in your life. That's why Proverbs 29.18 says, where there is no revelation, when people don't know what God's wanting to do with their life, when people keep pushing, oh, I got it, I see fine. No, you don't. The eyes of your heart have been gouged out. You become a slave to some stuff. And you, you've lost the revelation of who God says you are and who he wants you to be. And so this cast off restraint, actually in the original Greek, in the original Hebrew, it kind of means like they go crazy. So, so when people don't know what God's trying to do with their life, they lose their mind trying to find something that fits. That's why some of you are so stressed out, so anxious all the time. So worried about everything. It's almost like in our culture right now, it's like we don't even, we, I feel like we've gotten to a place in our culture where we don't even really know how to survive if there's not some kind of crisis we're trying to manage, if there's not some sort of hysteria that we're trying to, get ready for it, like election season is here, and it's all going to be like, if we elect the wrong person, the whole world's going to burn. <laughs> hey, y'all, it's all going to burn up anyway. The Bible already told us that. Stop acting surprised. Can I hear an amen this morning? Fix your eyes on something eternal. Figure out what God wants to do with your life. Get some clarity. And you can stop worrying about everything. Because God ain't freaked out. He's not worried. Come on. We can be blind to God's plan for our lives. The second thing we can be blinded to is the, the power of relationships. The power of relationships. I think if Samson were to come down here on the stage today and, and, and we were to say, Samson, if you could do it all over again, <laughs> what would you do differently? And I think Samson would say, I'd be more careful about the people I hung out with. I'd be more careful about my relationships. Judges 14 to, when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen... <laughs> Which harkens all the way back to the book of Genesis, by the way. What, start, what started sin? We saw the fruit. The Bible says Eve saw it and she saw that it would be tasty and good. And that's, Y'all, that's the lust of the flesh. Lust isn't always a sexual thing. It's when we see something and we crave it. In Samson's case, it was a sexual thing. He's like, I saw this girl, daddy. Woo! Get her. <laughs> That's what he, Daddy, get her. Like, things were different back then, weren't they? Like, some of you, if it was that easy, you'd be like, you wish you could go home today and be like, Daddy, I saw somebody at church this morning at True Life. 
They're pretty. He's handsome. I didn't see a ring. Go get him for me. <laughs> nope. Doesn't work that way anymore, but get her for me as my wife. Now, he had look at this. All he did is see her, and he says, I want her. Like, he doesn't know what kind of woman she is. He, he doesn't know anything about her personality. She's a Philistine, so she probably doesn't love God. She probably has a whole other faith and belief system. Probably doesn't have any shared values. But Samson, in this moment, still got his eyes, but he's not seeing clearly. Get, get her. And his father and mother beg him, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? That's weird. Or among, <laughs> it was normal back then, though. <laughs> Come on, Samson, what about cousin Sally? <laughs> All right. It's normal back then, though. All right. Third cousin, maybe. I don't know. All right. Or among all our people. What is our people? Here's what this should mean for us today. Like, hey, isn't there anybody who already values what you value, Samson? Samson, can't you find somebody who loves God? Samson, can't you find somebody who's going to understand that you've been called to lead our people, that, that God has a plan, and they'll want to come alongside and be a part of that plan? Can't you find somebody who's following God's plan, too, for their life? That, that's our people. Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Come on, Samson, what are you doing? And Samson says, stop judging me. You don't know. You don't know me. Mom and dad, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. Get her. She's the right one. He don't even know this girl. She's the right one. She smells good. She looks good. I don't want her. How many think Samson is not thinking clearly here? He's not thinking clearly. And he, if only Samson could have fast forwarded and read the words of Paul to the Corinthians, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I have said this so many times, and I will say it over and over and over again until God takes me off of this platform someday. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Our relationships matter. And the closest relationships in your life better be people who are our people, people who value what you value, people who will spur you on to good works, people who will help sharpen your faith. That doesn't mean we cut ourselves off from everybody else. That's not what that means. The Bible says we're to be in this world, but not of this world. So I, like I have some people in my life who don't serve the Lord and who don't love the Lord, and I love them dearly, and we have a meaningful relationship, but, but when it comes to my calling, when it comes to things of a spiritual nature, when it comes to morality or making choices that will affect my life or my family, they are not the lead influencers in my life. Come on, y'all. Some of y'all need to shut down those water cooler conversations, those break room conversations at work. You're trying to save your marriage and you're getting advice from the person who's on their sixth one. I told you, get your toes. Come on, get them out there. Just stick them out there. I'm just going to come by and go, boom. What are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. Let me talk to all the single young people in the room. Let me talk to some of our teenagers in the room this morning as if any of you came to the 830 service. Let me, let me talk to you. <laughs> let me talk to you. So, some of us have some, some relationships. Some of us are we're, we're pursuing some dating relationships in our lives, and there's people who are saying, stop, please, hold on. One, one of the things I love right now, and I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to not mess it up, is so far. My, my daughter, who's 12, has said, Daddy, you, you're going to play a part in me finding the guy. 
We're going to get, we're going to talk about it. Um, my wife has told her, find somebody who treats you like daddy. No pressure. <laughs> she came home the other day. She's like, I don't think I'm ever getting married. We were like, why? She's like, well, mommy said find somebody who treats me like you. And judging from what I see in my middle school, it ain't ever happening. That's right, girl. Never getting. Never happening. All right. <laughs> Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Let me share some words of wisdom with you from the great theologian Taylor Swift. When you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Because you're 15. When I was 15, I told a bunch of girls I loved them. I didn't love them. I, was, I, wanted, I wanted something. Yeah. Can we just be honest this morning? I was a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by... I, went out of, I didn't even know what... At 15, you don't even know really what love is. Come on, y'all. You, you barely understand what... So we got to... You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Because when you're young, you're going to believe some stuff. And so you need, you need a, a parent or a, a, a life coach or somebody who will lean into your ear and say, they don't love you. They just want to make out with you. That's not what that is. That's not love. Come on, y'all. That's not what love looks like. And that's why the Apostle Paul pleads with us to honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well. How many would like your life to go well? Anybody? Am I the only one? Some of you are like, it's too late. It's a a mess. No, it's going to go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life. You're supposed to enjoy it. It's supposed to be good. That's what God wants for us. Here's the last one. You can be blind to the nature of God. To the nature of God. After putting him to sleep on her lap, I could preach a whole message on how you shouldn't go there. You don't need to be sleeping on anybody's lap that ain't wearing a ring you gave them. Hello? Come on, y'all. Get up, Samson. Run. Oh, Samson, you're so tired. She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. Remember, the Nazarite vow was a vow between he and God that I will will never cut my hair. And his obedience to God gave him strength that was supernatural. But he, he got misled. He was blinded. And as he falls asleep, they begin to shave the braids off of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. And this is, this is what happens. You're not seeing clear and you think, I got this. Because I've, I, I got I've, I've gotten it so many times before, so it's going to be fine. But the thing is, he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. And the one who was meant to lead his people became a slave to another people for the rest of his life. You can be blinded. You, you can have your eyes and not see clearly, and you can end up a slave to something that you were never supposed to give your life to for the rest of your life. It's not supposed to happen. It's not what God wants. And listen, we, we are a life-giving church. I love to stand up on this stage and And as often as I can tell you, God loves you, God is for you, God is with you. In fact, we do it so much, somebody somebody gave us a a bad Google review recently. They said, it's just a bunch of 
hoop, hoopla, just prosperity. God. Oh, I don't know what church you're going to, man. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I was like, you need to come hear the Samson message. All right, so. I, I, I love to do that as often as I can. But I need to tell you, parents, you get this. If you're, if you're parenting a child and you've repeatedly said, hey, don't do it that way, 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 and they keep saying, I'm going to do it this way, eventually you go, okay. I'm going to let you deal with the consequences. Then they come back to you eventually and they say, I shouldn't have done it that way. I know. I told you. And eventually God will say, Samson, I've tried, but you keep laying down with Delilah. And there's only so much I can do, man. There's only so much I can do to help you. That's why he, says in Genesis 6, 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Like at some point, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you deal with the consequences of your own choices. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean that you've lost my forgiveness. It, it doesn't mean that I've not forgiven your sins, but I, I've gotta let you feel the consequence of your choices a little bit because it's the only way I'm gonna get you to learn this lesson. Y'all understand what I'm saying to you this morning? Paul says in Romans, what shall we say then? Like, God loves me. He's for me. So should I just continue to do whatever I want? Should I continue to sin so that grace can continue abound? And Paul says, no, you're missing the point. How can we who died to sin keep living in it? We can be blind to God's plan for our life. We can be blind to how our relationships impact us. You can be blind to some things. So here's what I want to do. I want to wrap up. I got to go quick by giving you a few things that you can do to keep your eyesight, keep the eyes of your heart in focus, protect yourself. I think there's some lessons we can learn from Samson. Here's the first one. Learn how to protect the presence of God in your life. Like you need this. You need, you need the presence of God in your life. Some, some of us, early in the year, we, we were experiencing the presence of God because as a, as a church, corporately, we were putting a lot of emphasis on it, right? We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, but you've, you've come out of that season, and if you're being honest, you're not experiencing what you were experiencing in that season. And I, I want to encourage you this morning. You can. You can keep experiencing what you were experiencing. And, and it doesn't have to be a corporate the church doesn't have to say to you, let's all do it together. Like, you can create prayer and fasting and worship habits in your own life. And you, you got to figure out how to protect God's presence in your life. you got to create some habits and some boundaries so that you spend some time with the Lord. Because his presence in my life, that, that is my first line of defense against losing my eyesight. You all with me? Because when I'm in his presence, I'll hear that little voice, the Holy Spirit saying, don't, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't click that. Don't look at that. Be careful with that relationship. Don't do it. When I'm out of God's presence, I, don't, I, don't, I won't hear his voice. I won't see clearly. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Like it, in fact, do the opposite. Do whatever you can to keep the presence of God burning in your life. Heat it up. Warm it up. Ephesians, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This is one of the most misunderstood passages in your Bible. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know what it means to... You know what grieving the Holy Spirit means? Grieving the Holy Spirit means, it's, it's simply this. The Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I want you to do this. And you go, mm, no thanks. Hey, don't do that. You're, you're not seeing clearly. You're about to make a bad choice. Eh, I got it. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, 
but I could have helped you. You could have avoided that. You could be in less pain. You could be more fulfilled. Don't grieve him. Listen to him. Listen to him. I think Samson would say to us, choose your relationships carefully. Choose him carefully. Can I hear an amen this morning? Choose him carefully because he who walks with the wise grows, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So, so who am I surrounding myself with? Who am I surrounding myself with? Every single one of us needs a couple of people in our life who are a few steps ahead of us. If you're married and you want a better marriage, find somebody who has a better marriage than yours and hang out with them. Can I hear an amen? If you're a leader and you want to be a better leader, find a better leader and hang out with them. Who we spend our time with determines who we become. Hebrews says it this way. Let us not, greet, let us not give up meeting together. You can tell Paul's a pastor because he throws this in. Let us not give up meeting. Paul's preaching. He, Hebrews is Paul preaching and somebody writing it down. And Paul says while he's preaching, don't give up meeting together. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop being a part of a small group like some of you have a tendency to do. <laughs> that's, so, that's so preachery. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Samson would say, careful, choose relationships carefully. And I think the last thing Samson would say to us is this. Hey, you, it may be, maybe you've already hooked up with Delilah. Maybe you've already made some choices. Maybe you're already feeling some pain. Maybe you're already in some suffering. Maybe you're looking back at your life and you're seeing that there are some people who, they weren't judging you. They were warning you. And you missed it. Now you're hurting. As a result. And some of you, this whole message, you've been sitting here thinking, oh, I already know all this, Michael. Like, this is my life right now. You just, thank you. I came to church today so that you could remind me how much I've destroyed my life. No, no, no. Hold on. Because I think the last thing Samson would say to us is this, is that failure is never final. It's never over. Come on, aren't you glad <laughs> that God's grace reminds us that every day is a new day? The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Like you get, to, you get to do a reset. You get to hit the reset as many times as you want. When I was, when I was growing up, my brother and I, we used to play Nintendo. And um, we didn't have the healthiest relationship. A lot of that had to do with our family dynamics. But we had a, we had a sibling rivalry on steroids. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we would play Tecmo Super Bowl on the Nintendo. It was a football game. And we would pick our teams. And the goal was to get through the whole season with your team and try to get to the playoffs and eventually win the Super Bowl. In fact, sometimes we'd pick multiple teams. I don't know if we ever finished a season. Ever. Because inevitably we would have to play one another. And we, we had this little... This is one of the bedrooms in our house. Had the TV, had the Nintendo, and the Nintendo would sit on the floor. My brother and I, we would, we would sit on the floor, lean back on this sofa that would fold out and, on the floor, and we, that was where we would sit, and we'd play our video game, play our Nintendo, we're playing Tecmo. And, and, the, and the Nintendo would be on the floor between us. And if you remember the old school Nintendo, there's two buttons on the front. Power and reset. Power and reset. And if one of us was losing... And we didn't like the fact that we were losing. You just, you could see it. You could like, you like start creeping down the sofa. And then it's like a cramp in your leg. And you're like, oh! And you kick the reset button. Oh man, I'm sorry. Oh! 
I'm so sorry, I just reset the game. I was losing 42 to nothing, and I, I hit reset. Oh, please forgive me. You did it on purpose. What? No. Then fists start flying, and then, you know, mom starts yelling. and never ended well for us. But hey, can I tell you something? You want to know, you know what God has put in place for you? without the fist fights and any of that? He says, hey, listen, you may be losing 42 to nothing, but I gave you a reset. I gave you the reset. You can, you can start over as often as you want, as many times as you need to. Come on, somebody. I gave you, I gave you, the, I gave you access to the reset. Come on. Aren't you thankful for a God who gives you access to the reset? Every day, every day. It's a reset. And at the end of his life, having been a slave all those years, Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more time. He's the God of the just once more. He's the God of the just once more. Here's a trustworthy saying, Paul says, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom? Oh, I need a reset. I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. Hey, y'all. He's not mad at you. He's being patient with you. He's being patient with you as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Why don't you stand to your feet all across the room this morning? And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Don't look around. This is an important moment. Just stay right where you're at. Don't move. Heads bowed, eyes closed. talk to those of you this morning. Two groups of people I want to talk to. First is the ones who you don't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So even if you wanted to see clearly, you couldn't. He's not the Lord of your life. You haven't surrendered to him. And maybe you're even feeling some of the consequences in your life of doing it on your own. You thought you saw clearly but you're not seeing clearly and you need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to become a part of your life. You need to establish a relationship with him so that he can open up the eyes of your heart and help you start to see things the way they really are. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If I'm talking to you this morning, I'm not gonna call you to the front of the room. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you. Just want to know that you're here so that we can pray together. If you say, Michael, that's me and I need Jesus this morning, would you real quick just wave your hand at me? I just want to know you're here. Just I see it. Anyone else? Just real quick, up and right back down. I see it. I see it. Anyone else? Good job. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Right there where you're at, if you raised your hand, here's all you need to do. You just need to you just need to pray. I'm going to give you some words. You can make them your own. But right there where you're at, just, just say, Jesus, today, I need you to become the Lord of my life. I'm surrendering to you. I understand and I believe that you died on the cross for me. You took away the penalty of my sin and my shame and my mistakes. And three days later, you rose from the grave. You broke the curse and the power of sin off my life. So I never have to be the same again after today. Open up the eyes of my heart. Help me to see clearly. From this day on, my life belongs to you. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. One more group of people. Maybe you already have a relationship with Jesus you can identify with Samson's story. There's some areas of your life that 
you've kind of been trying to convince yourself, I got this. I'm seeing clearly. I can handle this. And this morning, the Holy Spirit has kind of nudged you a little bit and said, that's not true. You're not seeing clearly. You're not seeing things the way they really are. People aren't judging you. They're warning you. They're loving you. And you need to make a course correction. You need to have a moment of repentance. You need to start rethinking some relationships. You need to start protecting the presence of God in your life. You need to be reminded today that you may have failed yesterday, but today's a reset. It's a fresh start. If I'm talking to you this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just, just wave at me real quick? Hey, I need, to, I need to make some corrections. I'm not seeing clearly in my life. Just wave your hand at me if that's you this morning. Anybody? Awesome. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment today. Would you help us to remember we don't need to lose our eyes to be blinded. We need to see what your plan is for our lives. We need to see who the people are in our lives and be reminded that they will either pull us closer to you or not. So we need to be careful the amount of influence we give and where we give it and to whom we give it. God, help us to protect your presence in our lives so that we can experience all that you have for us. We, we need your presence in our life to remind us on a daily basis who we are in you what you've called us to and what you want for our lives. Make it clear. Protect us from the Delilahs in our life. The temptations and the sin that would so easily pull us back and keep us from being who you've called us to be and enjoying the life you've called us to. We thank you for it this morning. God, I pray that for some of us this has been a moment of conviction. Help us straighten out what we're seeing. Help us see it clearly today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Hey, y'all, heaven got bigger this morning. Hell got smaller. Come on, give Jesus a hand, Pastor Perry. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's celebrate today. Amen. To those of you that lifted your hand today, just a moment in the back of the chair in front of you or on the seat, there's a little connection card there. If you would fill that out, we want to celebrate with you. We want to get some information to you just to kind of let you know the next steps. If you would fill that out for us, it would be so, so great. We appreciate that. There's also a place in there for prayer requests. If you're interested in small groups, all that information, if you've updated your address or your email or anything like that, fill that out. Drop it in the receptacle. Also out in the lobby, there's... Uh, some little things for the special needs Easter egg hunt. Get that. Invite people. And also, there's some little cards here for the Easter service. Don't wait till the day before Easter to start inviting people. Start right now. Try to get this. We want to see every service packed. Why? Because people can make decisions just like they did just a few moments ago. And again, to those who raised your hand, congratulations on making the best decision of eternity, of your entire life. We celebrate with you. Now let's worship. The worship team's coming back, and we're going to just go out of here praising and worshiping God and celebrating His presence.